source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast. This is episode 95. I'm your host for this month, Melinda, and today I have with me... And we are bringing you the latest movie, TV, merchandise, video game, and general news from the month of February. We're also going to have some listener Q&A toward the end of the podcast. And as promised last month, we are going to discuss Justice League War, uh, which released at the extreme tail end of January. So... So, without further ado, let's get right into movie news. Bruce Wayne. And what do you do for a living? <laughs> Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Nice outfit. There was not a whole lot of movie news this month. We got an announcement on who is going to direct Batman Assault on Arkham. And that's going to be Jay Olivia. Jay Olivia actually also directed Justice League War and the Flashpoint Paradox. So he's been heavily involved in the new DC projects. And what they have said about this is James Tucker, who is a producer, has said that there's going to be three DC animated features a year from now on, uh, where there'll be two New 52 story-driven features and at least one standalone feature that will be out of the New 52 continuity. So he says, basically, we'll have two concurrent series of Justice League movies and Batman movies, and they'll be in continuity with each other. So it's kind of world building. Now, they've expressed interest in doing some of the older stories, like Gotham by Gaslight and The Killing Joke, which I know John has always rallied and said that that would make a great one. But it's interesting because the world building is something that we talked about in previous podcasts, where they're really doing their best to create an animated world to work with. Yeah, I agree. I think it's interesting that they are creating their own world, but at the same time trying to link it back into the 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 new Fifty Two and keep everything together. You know, I think that that's actually a really clever move for them, and and to create that kind of universe. Um, and it's interesting to see that we're going to get definitely get one original story. Each year, I think that kind of opens it up for for a bit more expansion. And I'll be intrigued to see what they do with it, whether we see more Justice League stuff or whether we start seeing some of the the other characters, such as the Green Arrow and uh, Martian Manhunter, that kind of characters, Flash, get their own little series because there's not so much riding on that film that's going to be uh, an original story. So you think the stakes are going to be a little bit lower on that that third film because they'll have they'll have done super well with the other ones. I think that would be great if we could get some of the other characters in there as well and and not even necessarily just other members of the Justice League, you know, we could have Nightwing stories in there. We could have you know some of the really big expansive Batman stories that told from the perspective maybe of a different character like Robin or like Batgirl. Yeah, no, I, I would completely agree. I think it gives them an opportunity to be 
a bit more out there in that that final film because they've got two films that will that could effectively support what they want to do with the third film i mean it's it's something that the film industry tends to do anyway i mean you saw it with with chris nolan they warner brothers turned around to him and said well if the dark knight does really well you produce these two films that have done quite well fine go off and do the film that you wanted to do and i can see dc animation make, making the same statement and you know if we could see finally the nightwing film that people have been wanting to see or you know perhaps see batman r.i.p from robin's point of view or tim drake's point of view i think that would be really interesting and certainly worthwhile for them to do maybe even just as a fan pleaser perhaps all right and on february 19th it it was reported that while most people are on board well not most people a lot of people are on board with ben affleck playing batman there are obviously some people that the decision upset very much and uh family guy actor seth green is part of the latter group who is quoted as saying on larry king if this movie is meant to be the idealistic alien humans before all else superman and this is supposed to be the grizzled weathered batman who's been living in gotham fighting crime himself for 10 years you need a guy who's older you need a guy who's got more weight you need a guy that henry cavill superman is actually going to be scared of you have to remember that batman is just a dude he's got no powers so the fact that Superman is scared of him says something about the gravitas he carries. And it's not just because he's willing to kill. It's because he's scary. Larry King, of course, went on to defend Affleck as Batman. But Green stood his ground and said that Ben Affleck as Batman is the same as him being an MMA fighter facing off against Batista. The next day, of course, Seth Green did do a little bit of damage control, saying he likes Ben Affleck. He's a really good actor, writer, and director. And this is more related to the... Um, the casting decision not Affleck's abilities so uh, stories like this are going to disappear as we get closer and closer to the release of Man of Steel 2 because we're at that point we're going to have trailers we're going to have promos we're going to have more information about what exactly the movie is they're casting and we've talked about this casting ad nauseum I think at this point I'm I'm sold I'm on the Ben Affleck boat. And if you're not, you really just need to wait and see. I know we, I repeat that pretty much every podcast, but it's wait and see. You know, they know what they're doing. They are paid professionals at this. They know who they're casting. Well, I think essentially it's, it's going to hinge on those promotional shots that we get. The first look of Ben Affleck in the Batman costume and how he looks i think will will decide whether these stories increase and whether we see a bigger fan backlash because i do to an extent understand what seth green's saying you know he does need to be grizzled he does need to have bulked up but i think at the same time that if you're looking at someone to play a older batman I think Ben Affleck would be one of those people that I think would be able to produce uh, produce that. I don't think that there'd be any issue with him 
bulking up and and stage makeup can add years onto people as we've seen in in numerous films so i don't quite understand why he kind of thinks that ben affleck wouldn't be able to produce this i think if you know the promotional shots come out and we see ben affleck looking really youthful then i think seth green will have made a good statement but well i don't know seth green i i like him i think he i do think he is very very talented was a phenomenal young actor. I don't really understand why he was sounding off about this. Maybe he was asked about it, but it just seems to me that there's no real reason for it. But anyway, so the next up uh, is on the rumor mill for Man of Steel 2. Now, there have been a lot of discussions about who's going to be in it, what everyone's role is. And according to the news and rumors site, Latino Review, the Man of Steel production is currently looking for a black actor in his early 20s who is also physically fit for a small role in the movie that's only going to be shooting for a couple of days. After the initial post went up, several of the site's readers commented that it might be for Cyborg since there will be a scene at a football game. And Henry Cavill has said that he would like to see Cyborg in the movie. According to the site's sources, director Zack Snyder has met with actor Michael B. Jordan for a role in the movie, although it might not be for the cyborg role, because obviously within the last little while it's been revealed that Michael B. Jordan has been cast in the upcoming reboot of The Fantastic Four. Um, So what do you think, John? Would you want to see Cyborg in this movie? Um, Probably not, no. I think if... And this seems to be increasingly becoming much more like a Justice League origin story. I'd like to see maybe the groundwork laid for Cyborg at a later date to come into the film. But I think the issue is is that they get to a stage which they're starting to reach where it looks like they're going to be throwing so many characters at the screen that they're hoping something will stick. And I think that would be a mistake. To be honest, I think it's a rumour, so frankly they're probably... It's not likely to be overly true beyond they're looking for a young black actor to maybe be... I mean, it might even conceivably be a a small part for Lucius Fuck rather than than Cyborg. You, You don't really know, but I wait to see whether it, it's actually true. Latino Review are not known for their accuracy when it comes to their rumours. Yeah, I was just thinking about some of the stuff that they were reporting for Gotham, the TV series. I, I'm kind of with you on this one, John. I think I think as a small un, unnamed cameo type of thing, if they have the scene in the football stadium and they have this, you know, Victor Stone character, even if his name is just sort of announced in the background, I'm fine with a cameo like that because that's something that if you know what you're looking for, oh, hey, cool. Like, that's going to feature later. But if it's a big, obvious thing, you know, we have Batman, we have Superman, we have Wonder Woman. Batman and Wonder Woman, both of whom are going to be introduced in this movie, that's that's introducing 
two really, really big characters. And I think it's unfair to Cyborg to try and, and jam him in there as well and say, oh, yeah, we're introducing him to, like, it almost shows a bit of disrespect to the character because he does deserve to have his moment in the sun rather than some really, really heavy-handed, like, wink at the camera, oh, this is going to be Cyborg. You know, a very small offhanded thing I'm fine with, but this rumor I don't really know how to feel about because it depends on how it ends up getting shot. If they were looking to cast Cyborg in the long run, that would be a very cool thing. I look forward to seeing him on there. I think as well, you know, Zack Snyder is well known for dipping in little winks and nods to it. I mean, you saw it with the LexCorp building that was in the last Superman film and the Wayne Tech communication satellite. satellite. So it is very possible that this could be a kind of, oh, look what the future might hold kind of thing. But at the same time, it might be a a whole kind of nothing, I think is the word I'm looking for. All right, so moving over to TV news. I can't risk having the watchtower burn up on re-entry. I'll have to guide it in manually. Gentlemen, it's been an honor. As we reported last month, there were no new episodes for Beware the Batman um, in February. Now, again, we also discussed that uh, Beware the Batman, the comic book title, has officially been cancelled and that this would indicate that the show would be following suit. Um, It's been reported that there's at least 15 unaired episodes left from the show, which Cartoon Network might finish on DC Nation. And more telling, I think, than anything else, the voice actor for Bruce Wayne Batman, Anthony Riviere, has accepted a role on one of the Marvel TV shows that will be airing soon. So the future for Beware the Batman is looking a little, little grim right now. So in better news, those of you who were fans of Batman the Brave and the Bold, the complete first season DVD has been announced. Previously, it's only been uh, available as part one and part two. So if you've been waiting to get all 26 episodes in one package, this is for you. TV shows on DVD has revealed that on May 20th, 2014, Warner Home Video will release the four-disc set of Batman the Brave and the Bold. Um, It'll have new cover art, and it'll be available for $26.99. All right, and in other DVD news, there is a DVD release of The Adventures of Batman, the 1968 series uh, from when Adam West and Burt Ward were doing the live-action version of Batman and Robin. The Adventures of Batman is came out in 68. The New Adventures of Batman, the complete series, came out in 1977. So this is, this is a release for The Adventures of Batman, uh, which features the voice talents of Olan Sol, Casey Kasem as Robin, which I think is really interesting, and Ted Knight as Commissioner Gordon. So this one will retail for 19.97, and it is released on June 3rd, 2014. So that will be coming up in stores fairly shortly, and we're all looking forward to it. Yeah, I think interesting. I'd, I've used a few clips when I've been editing the podcast of of the the Batman Adventure Time. And it is very, very 1960s. Yeah, I mean, you do. It's quite nice because you do get some additional characters that they didn't use in the in the initial TV series. You you get the um, appearance of Batmite in there as well, but they are very 
juniorized and very wholesome, I believe. Um, uh, uh, everything has a moral. Um, they, they're very reminiscent of the early 70s uh, Scooby-Doo cartoons where it turns out to be the janitor and they kind of go, oh, well, if he wasn't so greedy, he would have got away with it. And so, yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll pick them up because I think they're quite funny and they're, they're kind of nostalgic, but um, not one if you're expecting a, a dark, gritty Batman. In other news, Donald Logue, who was recently cast as Harvey Bullock in Gotham, talked with Nerd Repository about the role of Bullock and gives us a few details on the role. He first talked a bit about the tone of the show. What I do love about Gotham, that I can say so far, is that it creates this incredible world that, for me, you can step into things that almost feel like the Roaring Twenties, and then there's this other really kind of heavy Blade Runner vibe floating around. It has this anachronistic element to it, where it feels like it's either New York in the 70s, or it kind of exists independently of time and space, in a way, and you can dip into all of these different genres, so I'm excited by it. There are elements of it that are completely contemporary, and there are pieces of it that are very old-fashioned. I'm excited to see which way they go with the production design and wardrobe and all that kind of stuff. My main concern to start with, I was just going over this relationship between him and Gordon just to find out how that dynamic plays out, just to do my homework, basically. It's interesting that there's something that exists that you can watch, but Ben obviously is not going to be tied to the cartoon and who Gordon is to that. I'm going to have to take a little bit of license and bring Bullock more towards me, and not me more towards the dude in the cartoon. And finally, how much we'll see Bullock in the actual show. Contractually, I'm obligated to be there. I'm going to be around for sure. But the story falls squarely on Jim Gordon's shoulder. In this awesome world where we get to meet the super infamous villains of Green or of Gotham City for the first time when they're young. For me, that's the really interesting part. So that's where you come from, Riddler. Cool. So Gotham is going to be appearing on Fox in the fall. And it has also added a few more cast members to its lineup. Jada Pinkett Smith is going to be playing a character called Fish Mooney. Uh, Mooney is described as a sadistic gangster boss and nightclub owner. She's got the street smarts and almost extrasensory abilities to read people like an open book. Imposing and hot-headed, she's not one to be crossed. She will also be the boss of Oswald Cobblepot, who will be played by Robin Lord Taylor, who is described as having the brains of a chess, ma- chess grandmaster and the morals of a jackal. That's quite a description. Sean Pertwee will be joining the cast as Alfred, who is described as a tough-as-nails ex-marine from East London. Alfred Pennyworth has loyally served the Waynes. Now, in the wake of their tragic deaths, he's fiercely protective of the young Bruce Wayne. And finally, Aaron Richards is going to be joining the cast as Gordon's fiancée, Barbara Keene. Barbara Keene is described as a sophisticated emergency room doctor who is joyful but with an edge of vulnerability. So they, this pilot's going to be produced by Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon, and they are directing the pilot, which will be shown on Fox once again, that is, this fall. I, I was surprised to hear about jada pinkett smith being announced not again not because i doubt the showrunners i i have faith in in who they're casting and what they're doing this is just very difficult to wrap my head around because it's it's a part of gotham that we are really seeing for the first time so many of so much of the batman mythology focuses on the fact that bruce wayne left gotham to go train 
and then he came back and there was Batman. And we don't know really much about Gotham in the in-between time. So the fact that this show is is trying to fill in the gaps, it, it makes it very, very hard to conceptualize. I'm interested to see this because this is this is another layer to Gotham's character. And as we've always said, Gotham Gotham is a character in her own right, and she is certainly certainly an interesting one. So to add this layer to her, I'm very excited for. I think that's going to be interesting. I, I kind of do, but don't want to see it. In that I'm, I'm sitting with really conflicted emotions. In that some of what they describe sounds really interesting and really good. You know, to see some of the origins of the characters will will be interesting. And the the idea that they want to take it in a a kind of nostalgic but also contemporary kind of feel makes me wonder whether they're sort of drawing inspiration from Batman the Animated Series which I think would be a very interesting path to take it down obviously I don't know how feasible that would be because uh, I'm guessing the production cost would be quite high at the same time I'm, I'm worried that this is going to fall flat on its face from what we're hearing I think Whilst it's it's good that they're looking at exploring some of the villains, and I think some of them you can really do, the issue is that a lot of these villains are so intrinsically tied in with, with Batman, and I question how much sense they are going to make if they're, as they, they say, isn't going to be a Batman, or that the final episode will be... Bruce finally donning the cow because you can't really have a Joker or even to an extent an, an enigma without with without Batman because he to a large extent creates those characters. I think the ones that they'd have to focus on are much more the ones without the 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 meta powers or the ones who aren't so tied into Batman, such as Cobblepot. And I think if they kind of made him and and um, Jada uh, Pinkett Smith the sort of the main focus and the main villains, then I think it could work very well. But if they start trying to tell tales that really need Batman to be there, I think it's going to struggle quite badly. And that's a good point. I think it is. They're going to have to very, very carefully pick and choose which rogues they deal with and which which members of Batman's villains, rogues gallery, they they bring into the stories because there are certain ones that we've seen can just tear right through the cops. I would hope that they would put that consideration into it because otherwise this TV series is going to last half a season and will it'll have been for nothing but the fact that they they have started with the mob element to me is very very promising so all right so we will move on to video game news Your 
just one piece of news this month, and that is there was there is a release of the Arkham Origins Cold Cold Heart DLC trailer, and it's up on YouTube. It it makes some very effective use of Old Lang Syne, but aside from that, the the trailer really just highlights the fact that Mister Freeze is going to be coming, and it's. It's at uh, a charity event where Bruce Wayne is getting is being awarded philanthropist of the year and Freeze's goons or Freeze himself I'm not quite clear on that one ices his way in while Old Lang Syne plays in the background so I definitely encourage everyone to watch it it looks very good yeah I think it looks really really nice I'm waiting for the PS4 version to come out with uh, all the DLCs as they did with Injustice Gods Among Us amongst us but i you know i think it looks very dark it looks very interesting and it's nice to see that there's a dlc with storyline coming to the batman ones because as with the other couple of ones that we've had they've not really aside from the the robin extra that we had in arkham city we've not really had one that's furthered the storyline that's progressed it it tends to be much more a extra couple of levels where you can beat more people up and do some time trials so i think it's nice that they've they've created these extra storylines and they've put them in um and i think the animation looks very nice i do think it is mr freeze that sort of bursts his way in but again as as you were i wasn't overly sure about that so hopefully they're going to kind of make some tweaks before it comes out and just make it a bit clearer that this is most definitely mr freeze well, you know, among Batman's many villains, I can only think of one that dealt with ice. And Cold Cold Heart really, to me, was reminiscent of one of the very few Batman the Animated Series episodes that I have watched now. Um, and that was the episode dealing with Mr. Freeze's origin. So it was an educated, extrapolated guess on my part. Um, so we'll go into merchandise news. Of justice are watching. It's Batman. Wait on me, this. Where would a villain like me hide a ball? Revving up on his high-powered bat cycle, Batman charges to the answer. A giant maze. What flies but has no wings? Time, and it's running out. Blasting off in his rocket gear. Take that. Turbojet Batman surprises Riddler. Time's up. The eyes of justice, Batman. Figure included with Bat Cycle. Other figures sold separately. Maze and Clock not included. First bit of news is there was the first wave of DC Scribblenauts unmasked figures that were released. Now, I don't know if you've seen these at your comic store yet, but they are they're what's done in called a they're done in what's called a blind box format, where you select a box, you pay four ninety five for it, and then it's luck of the draw as to which character you've got. So we've got Batman, we've got Superman, we've got Black Manta, Joker, Aquaman, what looks like a gold-plated Superman, mystery figure, Bizarro Superman, Wonder Woman, what looks like a vampire Batman, and Dead Man. So not quite all of the characters that are featured in Scribble Knots, but again, this is just a wave one, and you get the joy of a blind box open, which is priceless. So... I definitely will be picking those up when I run across them because I do I do enjoy a good blind box. Uh, I I hate blind boxes with a passion. They really annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're great if 
the the price is a lot lower and i think unfortunately five dollars for the the, for for a blind box is quite extortionate also as well i don't have anyone to kind of swap these with if i get extras or find that i've got i've got double or something so I probably am going to avoid them unless I can pick them up on eBay as a as a complete collection, to be honest. And I will be the one selling them on eBay as the complete collection. Expect a markup, John. <laughs> I would not expect anything less than to pay at least 200% more than they're worth. Plus shipping and handling. So the next uh, the next thing up is the DC collectible solicitations for May of 2014. Now here for the first time that I can ever remember seeing is we have a Justice League chess set sculpted by Paul Harding. So obviously on the hero side you've got Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, and Flash. Uh, on the other side you would have the villains, you know, Lex Luthor, Black Manta, the Joker, Cheetah, Sinestro, and Reverse Flash. I'm sure. The pawns, it's, uh, it's a small picture, but I'm sure the pawns are all probably Robin. So after that, we've got um, a reissue of the black and white Harley Quinn. She was so popular that they decided they would do another run of her. Then there's an Infinite Crisis Pajama Party Harley Quinn and Atomic Green Lantern collection, collector figures. Based on designs from the upcoming game Infinite Crisis, these are one-ninth scale uh, figures from DC Collectibles. So they will be coming out in August of 2014. Uh, DC Comics Earth 2, Hawk Girl, Superman, and Batman action figures. And these are based on the designs, of course, from the comic Earth 2. These are going to be coming in August of 2014. From Arkham Origins, we've got Copperhead, the Joker as Red Hood, and Deathstroke. These will... These are going to be in a special action figure three-pack, and they're, of course, based off of Arkham Origins. And then we have three of the most dangerous inmates of Arkham Asylum uniting to take down Batman. So we've got a four-pack with Scarecrow, Batman, Harley Quinn, and the Joker. That's actually going to be on sale in July of 2014, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And the other really interesting thing that came out in this month's solicitations was the DC Comics Supervillains poker set. So you have the world's evilest supervillains, and this poker set features the art of Kevin Nolan and comes complete with two decks of cards, chips, dice, and a dealer chip. Again, the picture is small, but we've got, um, it looks like customized decks, and the poker chips feature artwork that goes along with uh, the comics so those are interesting if you are interested go check them out they are very cool to look it up so with that we'll go into our discussion this month of justice league war let the invasion begin some new insight on the rash of terrifying abductions plaguing gotham city there's an invasion of monsters. They're grabbing people off the streets. They're soldiers. We might be staring down the barrel of a full-scale invasion. 
Now everybody remembers that Justice League War released at the end of January. It was based roughly on the New 52 storyline Justice League Origin, which was uh, written by Jeff Johns and illustrated by Jim Lee. So they, for the first feature of the New 52 animated universe, they decided to go with that one. And I'm going to ask John first. John, what did you think of it? I think it was a mixed bag, to be honest. I thought that they probably did the best job that they could in adapting it. But I think they made a number of noticeable missteps, in my opinion, sort of all the way through the the film, to be honest. I think I'll probably start with the, with the good stuff, because I'm often accused of being negative, and then I'll move <laughs> into the negative stuff. I thought that the animation was really, really nice. Uh, it followed on quite nicely from, from the Flashpoint Flashpoint Paradox film you got that same sort of style and I thought it was really really nice to see again I I am I did really really like that in the Flashpoint films I thought it was perhaps one of the the best bits of of that film although I really enjoyed the whole thing all the way through and I I think that was quite nice I think the the adaption of the story in places was very good I I did enjoy Green Lantern and the Flash's characterizations. I thought they were were fairly spot on as to how they were portrayed in the comic books, which, again, I was a big fan of um, the Justice League Orange Origins comic series. Uh, I thought it was a nice way to introduce the characters. You got something a little bit different from what we've had the characters portrayed as before. And you really got to kind of see the, the, the characters develop and evolve um, and work together in a way that we hadn't really seen before in, in such a long time. Because obviously the Justice League had become fully established um, by the time I started kind of really getting into the comics. And I thought, you know, some of the vocalisation was very good. There were a number of missteps along the way and I kind of can't help but overlook them I really disliked the way that they portrayed Wonder Woman through the entire film I kind of felt that it it took the most extreme portions of her character so her desire her sort of Amazonian warrior spirit and kind of for the sake of kind I felt almost for the sake of doing so, kind of overblew that into somebody who was overly aggressive and over the top and unnecessarily aggressive in in all instances. And I came away with the feeling, well, that isn't how Diana is. And I don't feel that was how she was portrayed in the comics either. You know, she is a very... As much as she is an Amazonian warrior, she's also, she thinks about what she's going to do. She doesn't leap in. And I felt that by doing that, they kind of distracted from the character. They then also just fell into a stereotypes for a woman. There's a full, almost minute and a half scene about ice cream. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get the stereotype that women like ice cream. But... Do we really need to see that in a film? It just came across as out of place and at worst patronising 
she just where she shouts ice cream for all and you're like right okay this is this is ridiculous i also felt that there was perhaps too much action in it hurtles along at a thousand miles an hour and there's not necessarily wrong with a film that does that um we've seen the success of that in 300 which uh, bolsters you along star trek into darkness again but you can't help but feeling that the same flaws that this film has you can apply to those films in that the plot line is so paper thin that they have to fill that with so much action and so much going on that to try and distract you from the fact that there is ultimately at times not a lot happening in the film and i don't think that that's a flaw of the comic in my opinion and that's probably a biased opinion i you know if if i'm wrong feel free to go into the comments and do correct me but the the comic is much more about the team joining together and working together and that didn't to be honest happen a lot in this film and it got boring quite quickly when we were having nothing but action scene after action scene after action scene it just started to grate quite badly my final issue is with batman i having listened to it don't think jason o'mara works as batman i think if they had him as an early batman where he's quite positive and he's quite upbeat that would work but the establishing information that we get is that batman has been working on his own five years before superman he's hidden as an urban legend so this is a dark this is quite a grisly batman and he doesn't pull that off in my opinion he he sounds far too light and airy in a way than for for someone who essentially tells green lantern to get lost and his vocalization just didn't work i wanted to hear not a gravelly voiced batman but a darker batman and somebody who is much more hidden in the shadows and being affected by the shadows i think that that was something that they they really missed to be honest with the with the characterization and with his vocalization because even when i read the comics i still hear a a darker batman and i think the portrayal of superman as well whilst yes in the origins uh, he is very much sort of new and he's experimenting with his powers and you kind of get that and that he just easily tosses the characters around in this it seemed overextended um it seemed unnecessary to have this dragged out fight and then finally get to to the killer line where superman's like oh well what are you then and what can you do and it didn't just just felt like there was kind of a 
missteps all the way through that kind of marred my experience but at the same time you know it does hurt along a million miles an hour and it is if you're looking for a nothing but superheroes hitting things then this is the film for you to be honest okay wow i liked it a bit more than john did i think uh there that being said i'm going to qualify that with a few things i did not like the voice casting for batman i to me i i can't put my finger on it the way john did i just did not like it and there was something about it that to me was was very disconcerting one of the things i liked very very early on in the movie is um batman calls clark by his first name and superman then x-rays batman and says oh bruce wayne and I thought that was a really, really interesting thing because that shows right away where their relationship is. It's not one of trust. Don't misunderstand me. It's Batman has not had a chance to study him to know that he should have lined his cowl with lead. And I thought that was a really, really interesting thing that they showed there uh, with that. I did not like, however, later on in the film when Batman just gave his identity away to Green Lantern because that that would not have happened or it felt very disingenuous to me. Um, even though, yes, he knew who Green Lantern was because he saw the name on his flight suit. Batman guards his identity so carefully that to me it just, it it was unimaginable that he would just rip off his cowl and be like, oh, my parents were murdered. You know, well, the the parents were murdered thing, yeah, he drops that all the time. But he would not just give away his identity. I enjoyed the fact that Wonder Woman was immediately in defense of, of the people. Whatever reservations I have about her character in this, I thought that was very true to spirit. She was immediately in defense of the people and seemed very, very shocked when she found out they were protesting her. Although when you listen to the figure that that mob was throwing out $100 million in property damage, and you look at the battle that took place later on in the movie, you can kind of see why they'd be a little bit upset with these characters. So, I did not like that they jammed in the Wonder Woman-Superman love story, and that that is something I was not happy about being in the comics either, but it to me it felt particularly forced in this, because it was very much a love at first sight thing, and that I, I'm really tired of seeing that in movies. So the rest of the voice cast was relatively good. Michelle Monaghan with Wonder Woman. It's very very difficult, I think, for people to imagine a very regal, very impressive voice without, for whatever reason picturing and, and hearing a British accent. And so I think that she did a really, really great job of of making, not neutral, obviously, but, but a North American accent sound very regal and, and very in control at all times. So I was particularly happy with that. Of course, Shamar Moore as Cyborg, he did a great job. He did not have one of the easiest roles. He well, his character never really has an easy time of it, but I thought he did a really great job and brought a lot to that, so I was happy with how he did. And um, 
So the one thing I I was very surprised by because this movie is um, it's got a PG rating in Canada. It's got a PG thirteen down in the states and um, what is referred to as a twelve over in the UK was the amount of like I realized they were well within their rights and well within the guidelines for these ratings, but the amount of language that was actually present in these movies, because I don't remember that being in any of the other DC animated features. I counted one word that could, that has only been said on primetime television to my knowledge on NYPD blue and um, just, other ones that you would not find in in any of the other DC comic animated shows or anything like that. So I, I was kind of surprised by that because to me the, and maybe this is saying something, but to me the violence level in this film was such that it, I would feel comfortable showing that to maybe not a young, young child, but... But the language was something that I would not feel comfortable showing to them. So I don't, I don't know what that says. But so moving on from that, like John, I, I really liked the characterization of both the Flash and Green Lantern. Now that's not to say I like the character of Green Lantern because there are about four text messages on my phone from when I was watching this, where I was texting a friend saying, "I just want to punch him. I just want to punch him. I don't like him." at all. But I mean, he was, he was definitely good. He was cocky. He was arrogant. He was everything that I think of when I think of Hal Jordan. And he was snappy with his comebacks. He was very witty. And the flash was just that, that genuinely sweet guy who brought the burritos for everybody. And was like, well, I, I think someone took my chimichanga. Any, anybody? Okay. And then even later at the lab, when um, when Victor Stone is having a moment with his father, Flash is just like, "Yeah, I think they need me downtown. I'm gonna get out. You guys, you guys talk." So I mean, there there were some really great moments of humor in this, but a lot of a lot of what John said does ring true. That. That scene with Wonder Woman in the ice cream, I mean, I'm, I know what we were meant to think, like, oh, she's experiencing man's world for the first time, this is great, she has found something, like, she's found ice cream, and ice cream makes everybody happy, like, it's really good. But we've, there are other instances and other panels that they could have drawn inspiration from, as the, the one thing I did like, though, for Wonder Woman in that particular portion of the film is when she, uh, when she lassoes the guy, and he admits he cross-dresses in a Wonder Woman costume because it makes him feel powerful, she doesn't mock him. She doesn't make fun of him. She doesn't do anything like that. She says, embrace your truth. My costume also makes me feel powerful. We are powerful together. The new iTunes is a... You know, and I think that's a really good thing that, that she did there. And I think that a lot of her story was was irritating, but that moment and the moment where you realize she is jumping to defend a people that really could care less what happens to her. She's jumping to defend them. That's where you get the good Wonder Woman characterization that I really like. Superman is just such a minor character in this that I almost don't 
I really don't have any comments on him. Now, I know that... So, in this movie, Shazam takes the place of another character in the Justice League, because, John, will you help me out here? Shazam was not in the original story, is that correct? No. Um, it was originally Aquaman, and Shazam's origin stories were told as the backup in the um, the Justice League, and was... Uh, I think becoming Shazam was Justice League's issue zero. Okay, so they have they have changed. Um, they have taken out Aquaman's role, which, from what I remember hearing Jeff John saying, is they have other plans for Aquaman at the moment. Whether that means we're getting an Aquaman animated feature or whether they just want to more prominently feature Shazam, I don't know. But it's it's because there were there were other plans for Aquaman. So in the movie, um, and as I just said, obviously Shazam was not a character in the comics. Um, so in the movie, his they don't really explain his origin. You you meet this little child who sneaks into a football game to go fanboy Vic Stone and sit in his father's seat and then steal his jersey. Then he goes home and you see two foster siblings with him. And then you he goes outside and then yells Shazam. And all of a sudden, Shazam is there and we don't... like. Unless you're very familiar with the character, it's not really a great explanation of where he comes from or who he is. And I realized that they didn't do that. That actually, this only gave the origin story, really, for Cyborg. But given that they chose to include Shazam specifically, I expected a little more there. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think the film does do a good job at kind of nodding towards his character. Um, I mean, in the comics, he's... He is essentially very much like he is in the film. He's very cocky. He's very headstrong. He has quite a rebellious streak. He kind of does what he wants and doesn't really care about the consequences. But he's also very determined and very loyal um, as well. And I think that, that elements of that kind of shone through. But... I do think that really we could have had Aquaman in this film. And to be honest, the origin stories of Shazam in the comics are, it is really, is a really well told story. It's essentially him being adopted sort of, and being that he becomes the hero, he's, he's granted the powers by, by this sort of old wizard and he's kind of the the unexpected hero, the the person that you wouldn't think has any heroic qualities. And he then goes obviously up against Black Adam, who's his main opponent. Um, and his origin stories are are explained in in Villains Month. And I think that really they missed a trip with being able to use Shazam as as his own superhero. And having his own superhero film, I think that was a, a you know, a misstep. Um, as you were saying, you know, you kind of don't get his origins, you just have to accept that he's there. And I think 
being a lesser known character that doesn't work really within that film because you are left kind of going well what's his origin story i don't get why he's here yeah so i mean i i did enjoy justice league war despite what i found to be somewhat problematic things about it i would say if i were to rate it i would give it a three and a half out of five batterings because the art was really good I felt, personally, that the story was, for the most part, well-paced enough to keep me engaged the entire time. And, um, again, for the most part, the cast was was good. John, thoughts? Yeah, I would give it three out of five Batarangs. I think the art, as you said, Melinda, is very, very good. The... The characters, aside from Batman, are well chosen. But I think there are a number of missteps that sort of prevent me from making it higher. I think the sort of... The, the fact that there is too much action drags it down. And it, it kind of tries to paper over some quite apparent cracks. Um, and I disliked the characterization of certainly... Wonder Woman and and Batman, which kind of again drags it down from from what it is. As I said at the the end of my kind of points, I think if you enjoy watching superheroes hit stuff, then this is a film for you. All right. So with that, we go into listener Q and A. We. Get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please, don't! Ah! We have one question this month, and um, it comes to us from Jason. So, Jason says, great podcast. Uh, first off, to correct you guys about Nightwing, Stephen McQueen was cast as Nightwing on Arrow, and he's known from the Vampire Diaries. Jason, you... You are half right. He's definitely from the Vampire Diaries. He's known for that. Unfortunately, this is where it gets into a bit of internet rumor and speculation. He has tweeted pictures of himself working out in a Nightwing shirt. He did take some meetings with the producers of Arrow and um, the showrunners, but nothing has been made official yet. Um, We're certainly hopeful because we would love to see Nightwing at this point in any iteration of live media. So just just to be clear on that he it isn't official yet um we're certainly hopeful that it is but he has just been sort of feeding the rumors himself as well so um, and now your question if ben affleck is doing a solo batman film who would you want as the villain in his first solo batman film also who would you want to play the joker in ben affleck's batman movies that is you know, that is such a great question because we do have so many villains that we can choose from for Batman. And I think if I like, I don't even necessarily know who I would pick as a villain in his first solo film. I wouldn't want to go with Joker just because he is Batman's ultimate big bad. And you almost feel like you can't go with anyone that Christopher Nolan went with period. But what I would like to see, if only for the 
logistical aspects of the role is I would really be interested in seeing Black Mask and how how they would do that and who they would get to play that and what they would choose to do with that character because obviously that is a character that's been around for a while and has taken part in multiple storylines. So I think he would be a really interesting choice to go for. So yeah, John, who would you like to see as the first villain? I must actually say that's a really good call of having Black Mask. I kind of had all these thoughts and then you went Black Mask and my mind went, yes, why didn't we think of that? I would quite like to see the Riddler, I think, is the first villain. I think he's kind of enough to get fans involved but uh, and, and people to create an interesting storyline with him. But he's he's big enough as well to to draw a crowd for to the cinema for a, a Batman film, I think. Um, see, now I'm going, why did I think of Riddler? He's so great. It's his time to shine again. But I, I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick with Black Mask. Um, and so secondary question was, who would you want to play the Joker in Ben Affleck's Batman movies? This, this one is an, I think an even harder one to answer because of course there was speculation after the Dark Knight released and before the Dark Knight Rises started, that they would have to then replace the Joker in that. And after having after having Heath Ledger in that role and having Heath Ledger won an like winning an Oscar for that role, I think a lot of times people are really tempted to say, "Oh, well, it should be you know this very heavyweight actor or this very heavyweight, very well known actor." And I can't remember if we discussed this in a previous podcast or not, but the actor I finally landed on was Robert Carlyle, who, of course, is from 28 Weeks Later, Trainspotting the Full Monty. He's currently on Once Upon a Time, and um, he was in the movie Ravenous. Now, I think he has just enough of that, you know, funny to sinister ability that that I think he could do a really really great job the accent would really be the only the only thing standing in his way but I mean he's an actor they change their voices they change their faces it's what they do I'm actually going to stay with the the Scottish theme with Robert Carlyle and and say I'd like to see James McAvoy play the Joker I recently saw him in Filth and um and I thought it was really interesting how he sort of played the character descending into madness and sort of losing the plot. And I think if he could bring if he could bring some of that characterization to the Joker, I think it would be very interesting to see how it would be, how it would play out, how it would be done. But at the same time, I kind of would also like to see an unknown cast in the role, somebody that they hold open auditions for, because I think that... There is probably somebody out there sat with a brilliant idea for the Joker, and we've kind of not seen it. And I think it would be hard if you were a known actor to really kind of follow Heath Ledger. So I think somebody we hadn't ever seen in a film before might be a bit more brave and and want to kind of take those take the risks that could make a good Joker. Yeah, I think. I, I honestly think it's it's going to be a very small or unknown actor that that does eventually take up the part because those are some very very 
big shoes to fill. Although, if we're bandying about James McAvoy from Filth and Robert Carlyle from Trainspotting, at this point we should probably just go right to the source and say we're going to get Irvine Welsh. That's yeah, that's no. who we're really after. Yes, yeah, uh, pretty pretty much. I think we're just going after him because he's fairly insane. Yeah, he could probably pull it off just fine. So that was our only question for today. So Jason, I hope we answered that for you. Just a quick reminder, if you have a question and you want it answered, come on over to the website and you can leave a comment on this episode of the podcast, or you can drop us an email at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net. And I just also want to remind everyone to head over to the website to get the latest news on movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and, of course, the comics as well. Be sure to check out the other podcasts. There are new commentaries up within this last month. Also new episodes of Batgirl to Oracle, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, Batbooks for Beginners, Batfans, Taking Flight, and, of course, the comic podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos related to the Batman universe. That is everything for this episode. This is Melinda. And this is Nick. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Yay, the inmates have overtaken the asylum. Good luck getting it back. Yeah. about it on recording a call right okay so it worked so we are recording okay perfect i'm gonna grab water because i'm really thirsty go for it and i'll be right back all right Yelling timber, you better move. You better dance. Let's make a night. You won't remember. I did a one. You better dance. It's gonna be. Oh. Alright. Okay, ready? Yes. Excellent. Feeling about it on recording a call. Right, okay, so it worked. So we are recording. Okay, perfect. I'm going to grab water because I'm really thirsty. Go for it. And I'll be right back. All right.
it's going down. I'm yelling timber, you better move. You better dance. Let's make a night. You won't remember. I did a one. You better dance. It's going Oh. All right. Okay, ready? Yes. Excellent.